0: Hello, everybody, and uh, welcome to the uh, 178th edition of the Frank and Stan chat. And there, I hope there are many younger uh, viewers and listeners uh, coming into this uh, recording because we have a special World Book Day edition. And every year for the last three years, we've invited a good friend of ours, a children's author called Dan Worsley. And good morning, Dan. Good morning. Yeah. So uh, every week, um, the two, well, the, the guy wearing the red top, who's Stan Johnson and myself, we meet and we chat for about half an hour or so. And we generally invite a guest. And it's all to do with education, but this is a special World Book Day uh, edition. So we're going to focus very much on you as a reader, you as a writer, you as a listener, uh, you as a speaker. And uh, we hope that uh, you get a lot out of this. And we hope that your teacher is inspired to if they're watching or inspired to share the video with the class or with a group of children. And as part of this edition, we're going to ask Stan to lead us through some sort of activities, some thinking that he's been doing, the way he works, which you may want to uh, emulate uh, back in class after the recording. So Stan, how
1: are you this morning?
0: With your funky Salford Reds top on.
1: Uh, The the season started, we're unbeaten.
0: But that that'll end tonight. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, yeah, the well, easy.
1: Yeah, um,
0: and uh, yeah, it's been an interesting week uh, for me. Um, and uh, I've started. I've stopped doing some work in Blackpool, and uh, I'm moving on to doing some other work around some other northern um, councils and towns. So anyway, uh, Stan and I were both head teachers. We've known each other for a very long time, um, since sort of. 1995 I think it was yeah so uh, anyway and we've known Dan um, for I think four or five years so uh, welcome Dan so um, before we come in well do you want to just explain who you are and what you do and then we'll get into it what- yeah yeah it's, it's good to be back for my, my hat trick
2: appearance third appearance <laughs> amazing absolutely fantastic so I am um, I'm a children's author and a performance storyteller. And I think the first bit explains itself, the author bit. You know, when I ask in schools, the children say, you make stories, you put them in books, and, and that's pretty much it. The storytelling is a little bit more um, complicated, really. So rather than reading my stories when I go to schools, I put on my multicoloured storytelling waistcoat and I perform them. So I bring them to life in almost a physical performance. So so, so that's my job. And, and I, I go around libraries, schools, Pretty much across the country, sometimes virtually across the world, um, engaging children, getting children excited about reading, writing, um, and, and hopefully stoking those literary fires. Now, you were a primary school teacher, weren't you? So that started off, I'm trying to think back now in the, in the sands of time. So, 1998, I qualified as a primary school teacher in Blackpool. And before I go any further, I've got to say thank you so much. Uh, for all the work, frankly, you've done in Blackpool and all oh, the connections you've built and all, because, because Blackpool, you know, a, a place close to my heart. I'm, I was I'm born and raised in the town, lived there for many, many years. So so for what you've done, fantastic. So yeah, started off in a big 3 four entry primary school in Blackpool and started off in year five and, and then went to year six, got stuck in year six, almost like the Twilight Zone. Went <laughs> in, could not find a way out. Uh, <laughs> eight Years later, as I tell the children when I got schools, I crawled out of years. six. Year, year were you a
0: performing teacher? Were you a performing teacher? You know what I mean? Um, there are some teachers that are a bit sort of dour, aren't they? And they're on it. And there are others that are sort of lively and happy. Uh, I think I had my moments. Definitely,
2: I, th- I think. I think if you were asking me what sort of a teacher I was, I think. I think probably I was a character teacher. I think <laughs> I, I taught on character, and, and, and <laughs> yeah, you know what that means. Um, so yeah, got out of year six and realised when I looked in the mirror that that I that the hair had gone, all the crease lines, um, and then realised that there was a life outside year six. So I escaped to year three, then year four, year two. And and then after fifteen years of teaching, started creating stories and, and putting them in books, and that was eleven years ago. Wow. So twenty six years I've, I've been working within the education system and working with
0: children. Without doubt, is the best part of the job, and always will be. So was writing, reading, yeah, you know, your real passion as a teacher were were those the things that you really pushed hard and? Definitely, and and, and I think if I think you're either
2: maths or you're English. I think anyone who's both, I, I take my hat off to them, and I was definitely, <laughs> definitely English. Um, and I think I almost came alive in those uh, writing lessons where the ideas were having to be generated and to see children create ideas, use their imaginations, uh, Just that was the buzz. And I think that sort of made me think, hang on, you've got something here. You've got st- I've got stories, but teaching being the job it, it is, I just did not have time to write so so yeah English definitely and and as we talked before the record I can remember numerous children who who the writing was just amazing and I have everything crossed that some of those children did go on to become
0: authors themselves
2: Hopefully,
0: it's 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 time though doesn't it Uh, writing takes time you know and you need time to develop a story you need time to actually physically get it onto the paper um and you need time to think about what those stories are going to involve and we said before that uh, it's important that teachers give time for those sorts of activities
1: mm-hmm.
0: and, and and when i'm
2: talking to, to 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 the children in school and they say to me dan what how do you how do you make a story how does it happen and i think the first thing involves a bit of daydreaming because you do that bit of daydreaming and any little ideas that you have in your head and, and i like to call those the story seeds so if you've got a story seed and that might be something as tiny as possibly uh, a wig in one of my stories. So I was walking past um, past the shop, um, a secondhand shop, and, and you could see this wig sort of hanging off this model, this, this mannequin's head at this funny angle. And the first thing I thought is, I wonder if that wig comes to life. I wonder if that wig helps out in the shop and tidies up at night and then it gets back in position. So that idea became a story about a crime-fighting wig. So so the idea, the seed starts off. And once you've got the seed, that thinking time allows it to grow. The more you think, the more you play with ideas, you'll find you hit some cul-de-sacs. Some ideas don't work. And you've got to accept that. As a writer, some things will not work. But sometimes you just hit that bit of gold dust and you think, yeah, that's the one. That's the direction it can go in. And then the story, you start to you know, unfold it. And I think planning, when I was a teacher, children used to think that we did it just to make up an extra lesson. But planning is so crucial because if you plan a story and you put that story together and you can see the bits that might work and the bits that might not. And the plan should never be a concrete plan because the plan might change as, as the story you know, takes take shape. So yeah, the, the planning, I think is crucial. And all of that prep makes writing a story so much easier you know, and, and I think children, when I go into schools, we look at generating ideas, and from an idea, you can grow a sentence, from a set of sentences, you can grow a paragraph, and your story starts to take shape, so I think, yeah,
0: planning, build-up is crucial, definitely. Right, so I'm thinking about, um, when children are watching this, um, how useful is it to share your planning with uh, a friend of yours, somebody that you're comfortable with i mean and 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 do you do that have you got a confidant you know that you can do that with
2: yeah I, i'll be honest with you the plot at the planning stage i don't tend to share too much because the planning it, it to, to most people it would make no sense if you were to see my plans they just there are notes there are squiggles right. there are little illustration all sorts of notes that to, to the untrained eye would not make any sense But I know how it works. And it might be that there are post-it notes stuck around. It might be that I add bits. So so to most people, it wouldn't work. But I do involve other readers. Once I've got a first or second draft and the story starts to take place, then I get other people fresh eyes. And I need people that are, for use the best word, brutal. I need people who will tell me the bits that work, the bits that don't work. I don't need people who tell me that they really love the story and it's fantastic because I know at a first or second draft it isn't fantastic. I know that there are bits that don't work. So, yeah, definitely. And, and in schools, I see a lot of children in classes and they'll sit and, and they will share bits of story and they'll let the other person listen and that they've almost got a critical friend, someone who can feed back and tell them the bits that do and don't work. But at a planning stage, it is all on me, literally all on me. All right.
1: I think when you're planning, when it's when you're doing something creative, I, I, my problem was, say we were designing a course, a leadership course, and we'd be buzzing about creative ways we could do this and the other. And I'd, I'd so make some notes, make some plans. I'd get home, look at my piece of paper, and it's got a triangle, a square, a line and important underlined <laughs> and that's it because my, my thinking brain doesn't translate in into something that's that's written as a plan and Spot so on. yeah i need to work straight away from what's up here i can't do that interim bit
0: yeah did you have a book or a little pad because i always think of uh my daughter um was quite a, well still is a decent um artists so she'd always have a little sketchbook a little small sketchbook but do you have a similar sort of sketchbook notebook because sometimes uh musicians would often say they'd hear a phrase you know oh don't go down there might be the phrase but they can use that as the basis of a riff or of a, a chorus within a song and they write it down immediately and then go back to them so how do you, how do you capture these sorts of ideas yeah, and, and, and capture
2: is, is 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 the perfect word because when, when I talk to the children and, and anyone listening to this now, you've got to see an idea as a, as a living thing. So ideas don't like being caught. They don't like you capturing them. They almost <laughs> try to hide. They stay out of sight. But if you spot one and you see it, then you've got to jot it down. Now, many years ago, a good mate of mine bought me a notebook and this notebook on the front says weird observations and that just about sums up my way of thinking I see some weird and crazy ideas that straight away I jot down you've got to have some sort of jotting book because I think if you've got something to put your ideas down it might be at the time the idea just doesn't work you know years ago I I had a moment when I saw this kid with the most incredible bogey hanging down his nose. And it was the most incredible thing, almost swinging like a pendulum. And then he used this superpower ability to draw this bogey back up his nose and he sniffed it back up, it <laughs> shot back up. So so when I went back to my weird observations book, I just put mutated mucus, kid with, with bogey superpowers. And I left that alone for a good while. And then that idea started to stew, the seed started to grow. And and over time, I created a story called Hot Shot Snot about a kid who can control his mucus and he can fire it around. So from one idea, one one tiny little thing, that whole story grew. So, yeah, definitely get a notebook, jot your ideas down. If you can capture them, keep them and then make them grow into stories. You used a lot of alliteration there, didn't you? yeah i I love alliteration i do but that's probably the teacher in me isn't it you're probably never going to take that out of me you know (laughs) alliteration chucking a fronted adverbial now and again and and yeah yeah i know i know and and when i'm talking so i've got something here so these these are the um the actual drafts so this is from world saver so when i go to schools i take these out 30 odd pages and and you've got about twenty five thousand words and i say to the children i don't want you to see this why? There's something in here I don't want you to see. And, and and then they're thinking, what? And someone will say, is it the plot? No, it's not the plot. It's something to begin with them and then the mistakes. Exactly. So then we start pulling out the second draft and the third draft. And this goes on and on because the idea is that the first draft is never the best draft. And and the, the craft of writing is as much editing as it is putting the ideas down onto, the, onto a page. So I do the standing joke in school, you know, put your hand up if your teacher's ever said, go and have another look at it. And all the hands go up, the teachers are covering their head. Because that's what as teachers, that's what we say to the children, go and have another look, make it better, make it the best it can be. Because first draft is never best draft.
0: Yeah, yeah. I mean, there's a little character behind you, isn't there?
2: Um... Oh, yeah, yeah. This, this is Eric. He, and this, this kid travels wherever I go. And I've got to do a name check. So Eric, I, I can't draw from, you know, to save my life. I can do the words. I can make the stories. But I can't draw. So I work with an incredible uh, artist, illustrator called Martin Spohr. And Martin creates the illustrations for the Eric stories and for the Impossible Tales. So Eric is, is a, a, a bit of a down on his little boy and i've got a little extract to share and hopefully the children who are listening will if you imagine try and build a picture in your head so use my words to build a picture and imagine the scene that's going on and this is character building here we go let's see every child appeared to be enjoying their 15 minutes of freedom away from the classroom with the chance to take in some fresh air despite the day being cool and somewhat chilly Everyone that was, apart from one young boy who was tucked away at the end of the yard, sitting all alone on a muddy footprint covered bench. He cut a lonely, isolated figure and his brown, greasy hair blew in the gentle breeze as he sat with his arms tightly folded. The metal zip of the boy's Parker coat was pulled right up to his chin so that he could play with it between his chapped, sore looking lips. A doctor puzzle of scattered freckles covered the pale, nearly translucent-looking skin on his face. Heavy black rings below his eyes were evidence of too many late nights and a real lack of quality sleep. Daydreaming and staring into oblivion, he was rhythmically swinging his black shoes back and forth, scuffing the heavily worn soles on the tarmac. The gaping holes in the knees of his trousers demonstrated the battering they'd had every day since they'd been purchased many months ago from the charity shop in town. The fact that they sat hoisted high above his sock tops signalled that they were now clearly a few sizes smaller than this lanky 11-year-old actually required. Unfortunately, the chances of him getting a new pair any time soon were slim to non-existent.
0: Wow. So, <laughs> so, so I, I like to ask you now. Thoughts? What are your yeah. thoughts? On well, that? <laughs> go on, Stan. You go first. I spoke
1: well, the first thing it made me think of, which is nothing to do with your character description, <laughs> it was the bench, <laughs> because I've been in a few schools recently that that have have what they call the friendship bench, and it's a bench if you are feeling like your character is. You can go and sit on it, and others recognise that really you, you you want somebody to to have a chat to, have a talk to, and encourage people to come and join them. So, so my thoughts on that was de- developing a, a view about what the bench sees, what the bench knows, what what, what stories can the bench tell about people making friendships or not. Ah, so that's where I went. I'd never ever
2: thought of it from the point of view of the bench, but I like the idea. And one thing I will say, Stan, to follow that, I I wanted you to feel sorry for the kid. I wanted you at the start to buy into him. I didn't want the kid to be the school captain of the football team. I didn't want him to be the A-grade student. I wanted you to root for him. I wanted you to want him to do well. And the fact that he is isolated he's almost a kid who is quite happy in his own company. He doesn't seek other people's company. He's sort of, he's quite happy sort of doing his own thing. And and I think that element, some children do resonate with that, that they do... You know that, that that situation. He's comfortable in that situation. He doesn't want to go and play football. He's quite happy to sit and watch the world go by and talk to anyone who comes and passes him by. So, so that definitely about the bench, the friendship bench. I do like that. I like that idea. Maybe someone would come and join him.
1: Yeah. But yeah. I've story got to about, that. About that. Had a story about about a friend of mine who was a, a teacher in a special school. You might you might know Dave Dave Park. You might you might know him. He's a Friend of Kendra's. But he was in a special school, and they were doing all these activities, including line dancing. And, and as he was sort of going around doing his patrolling, he saw this this little lad in a wheelchair, who was looking at the window at, at the kids line dancing, and he thought, "We've not. We think we're inclusive, and we're doing something now that that are not." Hello. So he got the wheelchair took it into the hall with the others dancing and was proceeded to do dozy doze with the wheelchair and everything. At the end of the session, he said, how did you find that? And the lad said, I like watching it through the window. (laughs) Interesting. interesting. I
2: think (laughs) for me,
0: for me, the uh, thing that struck me was the, uh, I think when you say, can you develop the character? All right. Children, well, certainly from my experience, some children find that really difficult. You know, they, they, they go to, you know, their first point, point of point of, uh, port of call is, you know, their age, you know, how tall they are. But what I thought in your description is, you know, the references to at the end where the trousers were too short. You didn't say the child was poor. You know, a lot of children would write, yeah. oh, you know, it, it, it comes from a very poor family or mum parents or carer doesn't have much money but actually you referenced it without saying that he was poor. You know, so the the the, the trousers were t- worn, the, the trousers were too short, you know, the gap between the trousers and the shoes, all of that made that point. And I think that's something which good, you know, I mean, clever writers, but I'm gonna say good, but sort of observational writers can draw that out, can't they? And I think that's something children, perhaps when they're describing characters, should use that example that you've given as a way of looking beyond the child to sort of don't just describe the child, look at why is the child dressed like they are, we, you know, reference back to the journey to school, you know, do they do that on their own? Cause nobody wants to walk with them because their, their trousers look dirty or whatever it may be, you know, cause you're drawing aren't you to making us feel sort of sad in a way for this, yeah. this young person's experience. So yeah. I, that's for me where I went with it. And and
2: and I think when when a lot of people read the the that that's your first chapter, that is your opening chapter. And I think when a lot of people read it, it was almost a bit of a gas moment and like, hang on a minute, how could where are we going with this story? You you've launched into this description of a child that, that we feel brutally really so sorry for. How are you now gonna make this an uplifting story? And but I needed you to buy into him. I needed you to want him to succeed. And at the start, that was the way that I thought I could do it. So what you've just said and alluded to there, Frankie, it, it's all about show not tell. And children, right. it, show not tell is a real skill because to say that someone is moving fast across a playground, the kid was running, you can do that and you can tell us. But if you say the human hurricane of a child whirled across the yard, skittling children, you know, to the left and the right, then you give that feeling of speed and, and you know, it's it, but it is difficult, really difficult. And sometimes you have no option but to tell and to say what's going on. But if you can make the reader use their brain, and the inference skills that I know teachers love children to use to read between the lines and work out what's going on, I think that makes the reader work as hard as the writer has worked creating
0: story. That's an interesting activity then, isn't it? You know, yeah, when I go
2: into go- schools, one one of the, the, I mean, I have loads of different writing workshops, but one of the top ones uh, looks at creating what you would class as a schoolyard bullet and this kid is is a real menace and we're looking at creating what he looks like we're looking at building how he behaves to show his character and they're also the reaction of the other children in the scene so all of that filters into building a character and and that can be done in schools i do that in three paragraphs with a bit of speech at the end to finish it off and children create their own parallel uh, version so the idea is beat the author that's the challenge you create something <laughs> not physically i do have to instill that in children. <laughs> don't, don't start coming at me you know across tables with rulers and, and fist flying uh, but but you can now try to create something you create a parallel character that's your challenge and, and right. that is a great piece of writing in schools
0: yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. So, so in terms we haven't spoken in this uh chat about you know how you work as an author and, and the sorts of things that you do to, you know, what, I mean, transitioning from being a teacher into an author, you know, you, you've lost your regular income, you know, you, 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 and that means for younger children that, you know, that when a teacher gets works, they get paid at a certain time in the month. Well, if, when Dan left teaching, that disappeared. So everything became important for the writing. So I'm interested in how you sort of move from teaching and, and what your sort of pattern of work is and how you actually sit down and write something okay so i so when
2: i left teaching and 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 yeah you're exactly right my income stopped so at the end of the summer my final my final summer as a teacher when we got to september my, my income stopped and i did not get paid so when i didn't have a book i, I was writing the first book creating the first set of impossible tales and when I was writing that book, I I did some other work, some tutoring, and and and, and running workshops and stuff like that. Little bits that that I could work around my writing. Um now I've got six books, and my life it's almost like a jigsaw. So it might be some weeks. I might not write at all right if if I've not got a project on the go I might not write December tends to be a good month for writing because schools have got so much going on I don't visit a lot of schools in December so I get a full month where I can sit and write now some days I can sit down at seven eight o'clock in the morning and I can write for six or seven hours if the ideas are there and everything's flowing I can just carry on how many words
0: would you get out of that session
2: so that's a that's a good one. So it might be that I can I can put down a couple of thousand words, two and a half thousand words, but then when I go back, a lot of it gets chopped. So fair. it's almost like a, a, the brain empty. <laughs> I just write and write and write. And one thing I do I do see quite quite often in schools is that you'll get a, a, a child who who to see a blank piece of paper, is frightened They just can't get going. They yeah. can't get yeah. started. And I'll sort of like try and try and side look to them and have a word and say, you've just got to go for it. You've just got to write. And it might be that what you write, you're not happy with. But you might have a paragraph or a few sentences that you can pull out in the edit and you can use. So the words of wisdom that I instill, you can edit a paragraph, but you can't edit a blank piece of paper. If you've got something to work with you can create if you've got a blank piece of paper it's really difficult so just try to go for it try to write get it on the paper and then worry about seeing if it's any good
1: mm-hmm. yeah i know it's in frank's mind now when we were working together as inspectors we had to <clears throat> have our a mentor would would edit our work and quite often you just you'd do a page that you'd, you'd sweated blood over and it just got a blue pen
0: through it all and say just say they need to do this yeah but it's funny though it made us much better writers so if i i i I always enjoyed writing um but never really wrote with sufficient rigor that was the problem yeah and uh, i was i was always very positive about being creative but that writing i was doing with stan had to be accurate it had to be based on what we'd seen or stuff you know and uh, I found that a big challenge, but though that, that even though it was quite brutal, I have to say. Um, and you were disappointed, you know, when it came back because you you submitted it, hoping it, thinking it was great, you know. And then it would come back and you'd be deflated. But you have to pick yourself up and and go back at it again because nobody's going to finish that writing for you. You've got to finish it, you know. Um, and in a way, that's I mean, the same one, with you as a writer. A particular
1: an old... page, a whole page of writing and the mentor read it all and said do you mean they need to do more writing in school and i said yes he said well just write that <laughs>
2: <laughs> and and you know you you you've, you've just hit upon the value of an editor so i work with a fantastic editor and 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 oh, sandra the editor has has worked with me for six books and and from the start our relationship author editor has sort of evolved whereas at the start I think I was almost a little bit too much as a teacher as a writer and and my writing has evolved and and you need that independent voice to say actually that doesn't work actually you've used the word desperately 29 times within one story and and you don't see it as a writer, you don't see it. You don't see the wood for the trees. You get so caught up in the story, you don't see what's going on within the story. So you can edit edit yourself and children. In schools, we look at editing workshops and how to improve writing. But going back to the point you made earlier, if you've got a critical friend, someone who will sit and read your writing with you, then that's invaluable because they will see things that you don't and you will see things in
0: their writing that they haven't seen yeah now we've got about five minutes or so um you you actually mentioned about show and tell as a sort of mechanism for sort of developing writing is there another one that you've got that perhaps you could share that um perhaps leads us then to uh you know as Stan and I sharing what we're reading at the moment and then we'll we'll finish the uh well, well if you if you, you 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 buy buy me a minute and talk about i will well, and i will find you a little extract that's very to sound kind out, right? thank you very much i mean one of the things uh, i uh, i i tend to read um quite heavily and then don't read for a while you know i mean i'm reading all the time but i mean a, a novel or a book and the book i'm reading at the moment is um is an adult book um, and it's, it's called Newborn by a lady called Kerry Hudson. And I read her first book called Lowborn and uh, Kerry um, had a very, very troubled upbringing, uh, very poor. Um, she she uh, very rarely saw her dad. Um, she, her and her mother were all around the place. They were being kicked out of houses and having to move to different towns because they owed money and things like this. And there was something about the writing. It was it was written so graphically um, and so clearly, um, not using very sort of long words, sort of intricate sentences. It, it was stark, and, and I know something—the starkness of it and the clarity of it—meant that I was immediately drawn into her experiences. So this is about Carrie um, having now being pregnant and living in Czech, uh, in, in Prague, and actually. It's all the experiences of a woman being pregnant in a town, in a city just before COVID, and she's quite um, uh, a late mother for having her first child. So it's a really well-written book, and uh, I admire Kerry Hudson immensely for for writing
1: in this way. So, Stan, what what have you got? Um, Very different. I'm reading some detective novels at the moment as as my pleasurable read, but some of the things that, that Dan's just talked about... Uh, This is the second book by the same author that that I'm reading. The first book I really enjoyed. The second book feels as though it's been rushed and not edited properly, because Uh. there are bits in it like the time. At one minute, it's it's six o'clock, and he has to get back to the police station. And then when he's interviewing the guy there, it's nearly five. Right. And you think a good editor would have picked that up. Plus, he's he's trying I don't know whether he is from Yorkshire, but he's tried to write something now in a Yorkshire accent. um, And it's really doesn't work. So he has some of the characters saying right at the end of each sentence, more like um, Newcastle and Geordie's than than Yorkshire, Lancashire border. And it just, it jars every time you read a bit of dialogue and there's this word right at the end. So actually, I think a good editor would have said, you don't need to write it in... By the time people are into their second book of yours, they know the characters. Yeah. You don't need to suddenly make them sound more Yorkshire than... than <laughs> <as you thought." laughs> And I, I just think it's going to put me off this. If it, if it carries on through the book, I probably won't read the third in the series. Oh. Because it, it just... It jars. When there are errors in it, it jars. And another thing that Dan's just said is using the same word to describe somebody <laughs> moving quickly or um shuffle i think this shuffling everybody shuffles across the room in in this and it's just it's picking up things like that that as the reader it it doesn't flow as well as i would like it to even though that the the premise of the story is very compelling there's just a little bit about the writing that's that's not quite there i perhaps should have said my my sister's written and published three books uh, none of which i've read <laughs> <laughs> so, like, um <laughs> well actually i have to say novels. Yeah, my <laughs> brother
0: my brother wrote uh this called lasting joy um and uh, he's been a guest on here and uh uh yeah it's 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 a great read i i, re- I read that and forgot it was my brother you know so um we're, we're seeing whether we can get published
1: the other thing i'm reading frank is this Oh, yes. Which is uh, about Shackleton, who's my hero, and he's probably the only hero of that era that wasn't in the... Well, wasn't fighting a war or fighting battles. He was leading, um, doing some exploring in the South Pole, but Frank actually saw that in a wet shop in Wales, was it? It was, yeah. yeah, yeah. he's one of my heroes. <laughs> Not <So> Frank. <laughs> <Shackleton.
0: laughs>
1: Dan um, uh,
0: so, just to sort of finish this off, can you give us yeah. a, a, another sort of like help in hand, a, 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 a sort of leg up for a teacher? Okay, okay.
2: Stuff? So, um, firstly, i have got to say I'll, I'll um, stand, I'll stick you down on the proofreading, editing list for future projects. It sounds like <laughs> sounds like you've got a keen eye. I like a critical eye. Yeah, I like that. I like that. And and that and 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 yeah, then that's the thing, you know. And and when it's down to human. You know, we're human being editing, proofreading, there will be things that slip the net. And, and and it is a really difficult process. Um And yeah, and the readers will see stuff. So I, I don't think, I can't recall, I've read this before, but in the Eric stories, in the trilogy, um, Eric lives with his dad and they, they live in a little flat and their life is perfect. And um, they have a chippy tea on a Friday. Uh, beans on toast is another favourite. And they spend the time watching classic action uh, movies. Uh, and Eric yearns to be, a, he wants to be an action hero. So Eric's dad is a real character. And, and I think when I create, created him, I wanted him to have a really special relationship with his son. And, and this is uh, Eric returning back to the flat and he's gone he's trying to find dad. Eric abandoned his search and headed back to the lounge to find his dad. Eric found him slumped in the chair in the corner of the lounge, fast asleep. The dozing man's hairy belly peeped out from the gap between his t-shirt and tracksuit bottoms. His wiry mustache was twitching and wiggling as he dreamed. Dad's shaven head was tilted to one side. His mouth was wide open and a single string of drool dribbled from one side of the cavernous entry and onto the shoulder of his faded (laughs) t-shirt. What a beautiful sight. Snoring loudly in competition with the television, which was plain to itself, Dad was clearly in a deep slumber. So the picture that the illustrator created, you can see that. Oh, wow. yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> yeah. And he's snoozing away. And just, this is, and I love doing this in schools. If I read the Eric extract, that is what you heard earlier. So he's there on the front cover on his bench, uh, oh, right, right. With, yeah, yeah, with yeah. his Parker on, his wild hair, and his holes in the knees of his trousers. <laughs> but yeah, it, I love him. I love him. And and the villain in the story is called Ivana de Cash. And Ivana de Cash is a real, she's a great villain and, and great fun to write. But I think Eric and his dad, the relationship that they have will, will always be something special. And,
0: and I'm proud that I've created that. So, in a way, an activity for a, teach, for a teacher taking this forward is to describe a relationship. So we talked before about describing the character, you know, the the show and tell bit, Mm. actually, you know, to describe a a relationship actually is something I'm thinking, I'm not quite sure I've, I've done that as a teacher, I've I've often talked about the character, but never spoken about the relationship or asked Mm. you about relationships. I think within, within within a
2: short section, a paragraph, a couple of paragraphs, you can build a character. You can give clues. I think the relationship builds through a story. I think right. you drop little yeah. little bits in here and there. Whether it's the way that Eric, you know, sort of goes to his dad, and, and his dad goes to the he goes to the tin and he pulls out his change and he gives the you know off you go some you know get. To the chip shop, and you get, the way he speaks to him, and yeah. it's quite endearing. The, the relationship that they have, and and the way that, that that they get on, I think builds across the story. Probably trickier to build a relationship in a short piece of writing, and um, mm. easier in
1: yeah. story. Yeah. I also think it's very difficult to to maintain that if you're writing a series of books, to, to because as the writer, you have to understand how that relationship works. Because if it if it goes out of sync. People will, who are reading will, will notice that that's not that's not how he should that's mm-hmm. not how he would react that's not what he
2: would do. Yeah, continuity is a, a, a real tricky one, but but I think Eric and his dad their relationship it, it sort of waxes and wanes, and in the first book his dad doesn't feature as much. But in Danger Zone, the second book, his dad is is kidnapped and his dad is totally reliant on Eric saving his life. So I, I think the relationship changes. And then in the third book, he doesn't feature as much again, but he's almost like the sort of support mechanism for Eric on the adventure that he, he goes on. So I think, yeah, relationships are really hard to build across across series of books, definitely.
1: Okay. I think you've also got, it once you've got that relationship and you as a reader, you start to understand. You think how the characters think. It. You then get to the to the standard uh, horror thing, aren't you? No, don't do that. Don't don't no. Who who would possibly go down a cellar at night looking <laughs> at that? Yeah, in yeah, your mind, you want them to because you want to know what's in the cellar yeah.
2: in the dark. And I'm, I'm I'm gonna I've got to tell you this, and, and the children asked me, will there be another Eric? And and we've we've mulled over a possible spin-off and, and, and at the moment nothing nothing is, is set firm. But when I finish the third book, it was the weirdest feeling because it was almost as oh, if my time oh and his dad was done. Yeah. And, and they'd been such a big part of my life for five, six years. They were real. They, I was living their life. And when it came to an end, that was really difficult. And it was almost like separating my life from their life. Then I can move on and create something else.
1: Now, What, what was Eric's dad's life like when he was Eric's age? So, I'm, um, um, you know what? I've not got a backstory for Dad.
2: I've not got a backstory at all. Um, and, and Dad is someone who wants to do well in life but struggles. Um, and Eric is almost a bit of a support mechanism for Dad, I think, at times, that, that he supports him as much as Eric looks up to his dad and appreciates him. So it's quite a complex dynamic at times between the two of them. Um, but I would imagine that Eric has got a little bit more about him
0: at his age than dad had at his yeah, age, uh, you know in, in comparison i'm going to bring it to a close here because we are nearly at for uh, getting on to 40 minutes so wow. uh, yeah it's amazing how these chats just sort of have a life of their own but dan i know that you talk you, you you do a lot of work in schools i mean um if a teacher um i don't think they'll be able to get you for world book day because i suspect you're booked up to them but But in the future, I mean, this happens outside of World Book Day, doesn't it? I mean, this is a big chunk of your life. But if they wanted to get in touch with you, how would they do that? Okay. So, my first message every day. should be a World Book Day. Uh, I
2: I get inundated, and and other authors are inundated, illustrators, storytellers, for one one day. And right, World Book Day is not the one day that we promote reading and writing. It should be a drip-feed, year-long process. So, uh, yeah, I'm available for visits at at the moment. I would say May onwards. I'm totally booked up till then, uh, which is the self-employed dream, really. Um, But, yeah... danworsley.com on my website there's a my email is on there um and you can make contact days of bespoke i can visit we can do storytelling we can do writing workshops bit of both and i work with children from eyfs right the way through to year six and i've even even worked with some high school children oh wow, wow. So, uh, that's a bit scary <laughs> <tell
0: you. laughs> OK, well, thank you all. Uh, uh, thank you for watching. Thank you for listening. Thank you, Dan, for coming back. Thank you. And, uh, thank you. All being well, we'll have the fourth edition in 2025. <laughs> so, uh, uh, Until then, good luck with your reading, writing, listening, speaking, yes. whatever you're going to be doing. Um, I hope you uh, you take some of the messages from Dan today and uh, improve your, your work because of it. So uh, we'll see you all next week. Take care, everyone.